Well, Kevin, we're back uh, here talking about life as we know it. Uh, meanwhile, we, we took a, a break from uh, the podcast. We uh, we wanted everybody to wake back up. You know, we were putting a lot of kids to sleep, remember, yeah, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. We have been known to do that. At least I have, anyway. Um, but uh, no, it's it's good to get back in the, in the groove. We're going to try to uh, get more in a regular uh, routine, I guess. But we have definitely uh, on our little chalkboard there we got uh, what we do is before the podcast we always write down some ideas so we got quite a quite a list but you uh, have some uh, uh elected officials on uh, city council that would like to join us on our podcast they, right? more, the more the merrier we'll yeah. get them going on our, get, our get, get them going i i, I think uh, what was it uh, mr uh counselor matice and mm-hmm. you know mr bailey uh yeah. he, they would like to for us to bring them in and uh and uh talk they have some ideas good well, we'll get them going, mate. If we don't fit it in before Christmas, definitely in the new year. But, uh, you know, let's start off with uh, happy thoughts in the beginning of this podcast. Uh, I thought the, the Santa Claus parade was uh, outstanding this year. The uh, the weather cooperated. And uh, just a big shout out to uh, the organizers uh, from the city and, and all of the uh, businesses, all the groups that got behind the parade. Um, you know, we, had, we did introduce a new form <laughs> for the... Uh, uh, the people to put their floats in. We just wanted to sort of the make new parade sure, policy, a new parade policy. And that was just sort of to identify. We just want to make sure that uh, whatever float is in the parades uh, that the city is organizing, uh, that nothing is too offensive. So we just, a little bit of review, uh, just uh, introduce, because um, we did have some complaints that one year and uh, just introduce it. But otherwise, you know, we had, I think about 45 floats and I just, a big shout out to uh, Santa, you know, Santa's a busy guy. And, uh, you know, it's great that, uh, it's a sharp looking Santa suit that he was wearing. Yeah. Good, ah, good Santa suit. And I know that, uh, there's been a times when Santa's freezes, uh, on those parades, but, uh, <laughs> you know, just a big show. A couple of years ago, that was like minus 30 or like, it was just brutal. Oh, Holy yeah. smokes. You know, surprised that he actually came and didn't stay at home Yeah, yeah. No, stay in the North pole, yeah, stay no, warm. I, and then he went, he goes after the parade to the energy center. So I, you know, kudos to Santa. He uh, does a, a great job, a uh, big commitment to come out to the city of Colleague and just want to, I know he's always listening once in a while up in the North Pole and I just a big shout out to Santa. But, uh, you know, the, the city's put up a bunch of uh, Christmas lights, new Christmas lights, and we're getting a lot of positive feedback. Oh yeah. All through the uh, downtown core, the new trees, the, how they're all wrapped around in those lights and stuff like that. It really brightens the downtown up. They're almost lights in themselves. We didn't have to replace those street lights. I think just put up those, uh, just make it a whole, like, you know, what is it? Uh, who does that like that? Well, uh, this is a, this is South Beach, Florida. South Beach, Florida. Uh, yeah. I think Memphis, Tennessee too. No, yeah, everybody Memphis. In the, right? Anybody that doesn't get snow does that uh, outlook, but uh, no. Yeah. It was, uh, it's interesting because they're putting them on the trees and we've lost some of the trees on Main Street, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's tough. Uh, the trees uh, don't necessarily do well when they're covered in paving stones, right? Yeah, they don't have a lot of place for those roots, right? To get mm-hmm. uh, to get their moisture and stuff like that. That yeah. being said, I know that uh, staff that are, are, are looking for, uh, hopefully over the next uh, season, to replenish some of those trees that are down there. Yeah. Of course, the uh, community garden over by the Lutheran church, you know, still trying to thin that out and whether some of them are the same species and stuff like that. I think the staff are trying to- Pick them up and move them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Didn't know that. They can do. I thought the tree a certain size, it couldn't move it. Well, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like they wouldn't be as grown as what's there, but definitely trying to do something downtown to fill it in a little bit. Yeah. 
No, that's good. Uh, shout out to the staff on that. And, you know, it was a, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, inside the uh, Tri-City Mall, for those that are still looking for Santa, they've had, uh, you know, a Santa in there for the kids to, to go see. So that, you know, shout out to the Tri-City Mall. But, uh, you know, I just let's jump into a, you know, a, a bit of a controversial subject. Uh, but definitely this um, spring, summer and into fall, we, we definitely saw a lot of uh, people living in the rough, as it's called. Uh, in in tents uh, all around the city in different locations on the uh, up in the Tri City Mall area behind the Meadows houses up in the north Colic uh, North there is some some living up in the in the bush up there and of course around City Hall in the back by Iron Horse Trail and then behind Walmart there's several and behind the Lakeland Inn there was lots of different little pockets and of course uh, Kevin that led to uh, a lot of uh, fires that yeah. uh, the fire yeah. warming fires right warming so they start fire. pretty small and. And then, of course, if they're unmanned or not, you know, not there's nobody watching over them, or somebody falls asleep or whatever, you know, they grow to be pretty significant. And um, anybody that's interested in looking at some of the pictures, uh, you know, the, some of the previous agendas that you can find online has a kind of a presentation or a pictorial, um, several pictures that can uh, the public can have a look at to see some of those fires. And some of them have grown to be pretty significant. And uh, surprise, uh, you know, any further, you could have, uh, you know, loss of structures and stuff like that if they got into, you know, into the buildings such as Walmart or, you know, so the, some of the houses that are down there or, or Tri-City Estates area. So um, it's good that the uh, staff or, or the fire crews were on it right away or they've been caught by residents and phoned in. Um, but they do cause a considerable risk and many of them are originating from private property, not public property that are owned by the city. These are, you know, people own some land and uh, they may or may not know that they have, you know, a homeless or tent cities that are there or tents, the people that are staying there and those fires are getting started. Yeah. So, so council uh, has looked at this during the, the budget or even before the budget about what to do with all of the, it seemed like there was a big increase in people uh, in Coal Lake, uh, you know, hanging around. And uh, so we had a lot of people downtown. And so we had businesses uh, emailing us and contacting us about uh, some of their workers were scared to even enter. Vagrancy, right? Yeah, vagrancy, enter the building, even, you know, early in the morning to go and open up a shop. Uh, Staff were pretty concerned. And then at the end of the shift, uh, just leaving to go to their vehicles. And so I think what we kind of looked at is uh, an enforcement, uh, you know, issue is, is come in. We passed the, uh, no, nobody, no loitering uh, in any of the back alleys from uh, Colic South to Colic North uh, from the downtown commercial uh, from uh, midnight till uh, six in the morning. And uh, so that'll come with a fine. And if you're not a business owner, there really shouldn't be any reason for you to be in any of the back alleys. We, we did see um, them especially in the cold weather, uh, move more into the back alleys and set up structures in some of the uh, areas uh, that sort of, you can sort of almost have three walls around you where you're not going to get hit with the wind. And so we had people building uh, the previous winter, uh, building structures in those areas. So coming in with that bylaw, uh, some enforcement teeth for bylaws officers and RCMP. The issue is, is that uh, for the people that were word uh, downtown is not causing say any kind of uh, violation was where do you where do you move them to and so we don't want to encourage uh, them building tents uh, living in the rough uh, and so council looked at uh, enforcement of those camps uh, getting getting them knocked down we uh, ourselves and private sector also came in and cleared the bush 
around where some of these tents were located um, and, and move them along. And then uh, eventually uh, we made a decision as a, as a body of council to go out and purchase uh, a drilling camp and, and, and build a, um, the water sewer, uh, put in the water sewer uh, power uh, to the site. And, and now we've uh, got a, a, a building uh, now ready to go and now hand it over to John Howard. I think overall there's kind of a few little issues. One, there is the cold aspects or some people feel that, you know, why enforce, right? And unfortunately, without doing enforcement, it comes lawless to some degree, right? And that has been some concerns amongst the residents and some of the local businesses. But also when you start to look at enforcement, um, such as removal of tents or uh, removal of some of the camping areas, you know, there is people that do video record those things and they're upset that they're, you know, the social aspects are not being considered. However, there's two aspects. One is the enforcement side. And then the other aspect is looking at the, uh, the social aspect. And, and that's what you're saying is that, uh, looking at a homeless shelter, where can we put them if they are, you know, from the region, but the other aspect is also getting, getting them that you mentioned is getting them beyond, you know, maybe they're not from Cold Lake and they have other social supports or better social supports from where they are from and getting them to those social supports beyond the city so that they're not necessarily here where they don't have that support network around them. Yeah. So the building, we, we toured it the other day, the, uh, the tri, you know, the, uh, the drilling camp, um, uh, the John Howard group are going to go in and look at the building and make it work for them. And so they're in a lease agreement with the, with the city of Coal Lake. The city of Coal Lake owns the, the, the site. And now we're sort of like the landlord. And so we have a vested interest to make sure that it operates uh, properly and safely but also to make sure that the local businesses around the, the John Howard location are also not impacted. Um, you know, I think we have had lots of crime uh, around uh, all of the businesses and, and homes in Coal Lake. Um, you know, our numbers are up. Whether or not it's necessarily the homeless people that are that are causing that, uh, it's obvious that we've got a lot of people coming into Coal Lake. There's organized crime and, here, yeah, right? Exactly. A lot of that is organized crime. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a, a, a distinguished between the two types of activities. And we're not saying one is innocent and one is guilty. The, the Cold Lake has a, both just similar to many communities all across North America, but, um, there is an element of petty crime that is amongst the vagrancy and the homeless, but there is also that significant organized crime that they're very organized. And, uh, they can come in and re start removing some pretty significant assets or, or, you know, these catalytic converters or precious metals within these vehicles, you know, you know, that is not somebody necessarily that's homeless. That is, you know, you know, many of those types of organized crimes related to drugs and alcohol and other aspects, right. Of, uh, of, uh, social, social society issues. Yeah. So I think uh, council's expectations are, is that, uh, if there's people loitering around main street, uh, in the middle of the night. And they have nowhere to go is to, um, you know, bring them over to John Howard, uh, whether it's uh, watchdog security that uh, council's uh, funded again for uh, through the chamber for another year. Uh, we also uh, in our budget uh, extended the uh, uh, bylaw officers, uh, the money towards that account so that uh, the, the city can have bylaw officers 24 hours a day. And so the idea with that is that, uh, you know, the bylaw officers will, will kind of partner up with the RCMP and with the watchdog is that uh, is to really uh, patrol the downtown core, 
uh, both north and south in the Tri-City Mall area, the whole entire uh, issues. We also have big issues at the landfill uh, and also at the Energy Centre. So just do a wide scope, uh, you know, an, another pair of eyes on, on the street. And if these individuals need shelter, is to bring them over to uh, the John Howard building, right? And once, if you're homeless, you're going to know uh, that over at John Howard, you can get a, you can get a roof over your head. Uh, it's, it's not the w- most wonderful conditions, but uh, you get a mat and uh, you're going to be sleeping probably on the floor. And, uh, but you could get two square meals a day. And the big thing about what a lot of people don't know about John Howard is they're going to have a lot of social workers that are going to be working with the clients to try to uh, better their life. And some of the clients have no bank accounts, uh, no means of getting incomes coming in. And so they work with the, the, the person uh, to try to give them a helping hand, learn how to uh, get a bank account, learn how to get some of the social uh, uh, programming funds uh, available to people. And to try to work with, if they have addictions, is to work with them and try to put them in a placement uh, for, uh, one of our problems out here is we do not have an addiction um, center where people can stay the night and work on on their uh, addictions. And so they will try to place the individual in locations across Alberta uh, and and do that. So um, you certainly, they they run with a lot of volunteers. the kitchen in the camp is is pretty impressive, and so uh, I know that uh, the the idea with the the meals is that uh, we've seen the vagrants uh, try to uh, try to get money or try to get food from the di- the downtown businesses, and it becomes a bit uh, too much. And I know that but some we have, businesses we have are feeding we them. have seen them actually. Uh, you know, at times they just walk in behind the counters and start helping themselves to food right or into the kitchens. We've yeah, we've heard seen that. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the idea is that, uh, you know, councils put some significant uh, money. And so, you know, it's probably close to three quarters of a million dollars that we moved over from uh, what was unrestricted surplus over to the to the project. And, uh, and you know, we're hopefully, um, you know, the John Howard group is, I know they got a provincial grant, but I sure hope uh, some of the, uh, the large uh, oil companies that are making some record profits uh, right now can maybe take an interest in, in, in this. Howard Society. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I Here think in Cold Lake. Yeah. And I think that uh, unfortunately, what's happened in Alberta, and I think it's right across Canada, is municipalities have had to deal with homelessness. And when you look at what you're supposed to be in charge of for uh, for a municipality, um, I don't think homelessness using property taxes. Right? Homelessness wasn't yeah. Homelessness wasn't part of the uh, the core five or six uh, issues that you have to work with, but it's now been dumped on the municipality. So council could taken the approach that we're going to do nothing both from an enforcement side and from a helping hand society and uh, you know maybe these people would have gone back to where they came from um or or they just or you just live with it right and you know all you got to do is go to edmonton and see uh, on the rail tracks uh the lrt tracks the amount of people living in tents uh in edmonton is is unbelievable and uh so i think uh you know, council is of the opinion that we don't want to see tents around the city next summer. Um, and that if you're actually so-called homeless, that you'll be populating the, the shelter. And so I think there's a, <clears throat> we're going to be a balance between enforcement and compassion. And, uh, and that's kind of where we, we landed a, as a, as a council. Now for the, uh, implementation, of course, uh, when uh, the John Howard Society approached, I, I, uh, they uh, closed their doors at the existing location um, that is downtown 
in March of this year. Um, through the summer, they were looking for a place. However, um, several places. However, nothing was able to come. You know, one of the challenges nobody wants that in their backyard. Um, in the end, the city of Cold Lake did have a location and had an approval for a location for as such that is already designated in its land use. Um, from the word go, I think the city of Cold Lake was able to stand it up and have it on the ground here within probably, what is it, 30 days. Yeah, you guys were outstanding. I mean, and one of, you know, we got, a, I think anyways, a, a good value. It, it's going to be an interesting building. And, you know, I, John Howard's a nonprofit and they've run a, a pretty uh, interesting program where the idea is that in the morning they, they were, you know, the clients have to leave. Uh, but during the, during the night, you can come in the early evening and stay there throughout the evening. I mean, when it was 30, 40 below, um, we know that, uh, some people were, uh, were living in the rough as it's called, but, uh, you know, we, in council right now, we're going to, I'm sure they're going to be up and running in the new year and we'll see how it goes. And, uh, the idea with the city being the landlord, we can sort of observe, uh, everything, both from, uh, the impact that it has in that local area. Um, because the issue is going to be what happens when they open the doors and, and, and they leave is, uh, where do they go to? Do they just sort of hang around or do they go back and try to go back down to downtown Cold Lake? So it's going to be uh, fascinating to watch. We, we do know that the food bank in Cold Lake is, uh, is getting slammed. Uh, big shout out to all the volunteers in the group with the Cold Lake food bank to do an amazing job. People don't realize that they service a wide net. Um, they're very compassionate where they... Into Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't turn anybody down. They do a great job. If, if any companies out there want to donate, food bank is tremendous. And, uh, you know... The Credit Union did a big donation last year, donation, right? Big donation, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, it's a... I mean, you see a big food drives going on, um, but uh, as quickly as their food is going in there, uh, it's going up. The city of Cold Lake staff are doing these, uh, tree of toiletries and, and, uh, different from the food, right. In terms of a food drive. Yeah. So council jumped in on that and, uh, looks like there's going to be a picture being able to be done on. There's a pretty big, uh, tree of toiletries in the council chambers here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, we had fun with it. And I, I think a lot of, a lot of different groups are, are getting behind it. Uh, even schools are, are getting behind it. So you know, we just talks about the economy right now. Everybody's, uh, you know, the inflation has big, been huge um, in people's pocket. And so, you know, it was a big discussion during the budget is uh, when we tie in this sort of the homeless thing. One of the big, uh, you know, issues for us is I think out of nowhere, all of a sudden, you know, we looked in enforcement. And so by uh, extending the, the contract with Watchdog for another year, uh, looking at the money required to extend bylaws for that uh, 24-hour day coverage, uh, quite quickly what had to get stroked off the, the list because council was still concerned about not having a huge property tax increase was the fact that uh, the previous year we had put uh, 1% dedicated to building the uh, an operating uh, account for the swimming pool. And so we, we've deferred that, that big 1% this year and put that money directly towards this whole vagrancy enforcement uh, for the commercial sector. And I know we've get, we get beat up by some residents in Coal Lake that, well, if you're doing it for the, for the commercial sector, why aren't you having a roving patrol in the, uh, the you know, people's residence? And so right now we're focused on the commercial because what's really important is we want to make sure that commercial is viable downtown and that we keep a, a downtown core and anybody that, been to some of the major cities in the United States that uh, where this crime is rampant, 
uh, you're seeing the downtown core just dying out. And so I think, you know, the council looked at that, but, but at the same time, we didn't want to see a big property tax increase, but you definitely during some of your budget codes there, uh, you're seeing some major lift in utility fees. Well, there is, yeah, the, uh, generally speaking council over the, I say the last decade has been attempting to achieve full cost recovery. Uh, one element that has not been achieved in that area because knowing we were working towards the water and wastewater side was the uh, stormwater management side. So is of course all the residents that see kind of all the stormwaters that are, you know, the ponds that are there, the catch basins that are in front of their houses, um, all the maintenance associated with that that's in front of their home. So that is going to be looked at to, in, uh, in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, we, but some of your buildings and all that, you saw some major uh, cost increases on heat and utilities like oh. and at the energy center. So, so utilities on the operating side, when the budget was presented to council, um, you know, you had a big increases in some of your, your codes, or, uh, fuel, fuel, and pretty big fuel bills last year for, for the fleet, uh, for doing snow removal and whatnot. Actually, one of the big one was uh, last year where a million dollars over budget was the snow removal and still growing. Of course, we're not. We're not past December 31st yet. Um, we're doing the full pass right now. So we're, we're going to be well over, uh, over budget of, uh, even over, over the million dollar, um, over budget, uh, numbers as, cause we're doing a clean sweep as we speak right now. Yeah, I know it's looking good. The, you know, when we, this podcast is before council votes in the budget. So we got to be careful. That'll be on Tuesday on, on the, on the council meeting, but basically the focus on council was it's, it's a, a pretty plain vanilla type of budget. Uh, we are, you know, going to tweak up, uh, utility, uh, costs to, to residents, but basically that's all basically the inflation that we're seeing inside the, uh, the different codes. Uh, and, uh, and then of course with the u- user fees for recreation is just trying to cover the, uh, as best we can as cost escalation with, uh, you know, the power and gas that we're seeing, uh, in, in our building operation, but trying to keep the, the property tax as low as we possibly can. What's really interesting if anybody's a, a nerd and into these things is uh, looking at some of the, the property tax increases across Alberta uh, is definitely, uh, the, in my opinion, um, the highest I've ever seen uh, right, right across the board for all municipalities. Um, I know there's, I won't say the municipality, but there's one municipality when you look at the uh, when you look over the years and you compare our taxes to their taxes, they've always been at the lower 25% of the province. And, that, and they're talking about a 12% property tax increase this year. And, and it just shows you that, um, you know, there's a, a feeling um, that, you know, the province has really downloaded a lot of expenses to the municipalities. And you all you got to do is look at MSI and, and the fact that uh, MSI has has gone down over the years. It doesn't matter which government is in power, but it's not like um, the municipalities are getting any kind of lift from the province. Oh yeah. The, uh, uh, I think I mentioned it to previous councils when the uh, province, uh, you know, amalgamated the basic municipal transportation grant into the MSI. Now the MSI has been transferred into the local government fiscal framework program. And, uh, you know, that now money is, essentially the old basic municipal transportation grant. So we're nowhere more than it was 10 years ago. And, uh, that's really, uh, uh, unfortunate. Um, the province at that time had some big ideas or some big, you know, numbers in terms of the MSI program, but, um, we're back to where it was. And of course there's been a significant download. You're absolutely right. Um, 
I think when you look at the, uh, and summarize, and uh, we have it right in front of us right now, just looking at the list of the decision-making matrix, which is on the agenda for anybody that can, uh, wants to look at it, that, like you said, is, you know, really interested in this stuff of how council, you know, makes its decisions, what's in, what's out now, you know, what are some of the conversations that are being included, um, during those discussions? Um, really there's not much there. Um, most of it is relating to enforcement, um, increased enforcement, um, from various magnitudes. There is a program called the, the clean energy improvement program that the, some of the residents would like to have access to. Hopefully that's implemented in 2023 if it's approved by the federal, uh, Federation of Canadian municipalities. Um, but outside than that, um, there was not a lot of new programs and services that were approved. Yeah. That's the one unique thing, whether the person's going to be wearing a vest or whatever, but we did put some dedicated money for a worker to be down at the at Kinisu beach because we're seeing some days well over a thousand people on the beach on a weekend. And so the idea was to have a dedicated uh, seasonal worker down there uh, during the day uh, for the summer, because <laughs> some of those garbage cans down there and stuff, I mean, they just overflow quite quickly. And so uh, council was like, but other than that, you know, just enforcement um, and then just trying to capture instead of the general tax base paying for uh, the lift and utility costs at the energy center and, and just the operating of the vehicles in the city of Lake and the heating of the buildings and all that uh, was to, to tack up uh, a bit of a, a utility increase so that we're at full cost recovery as best we can on, on our utilities and then to capture that stormwater um, management uh, program on the ponds. And what people don't realize in Lake is because of the Air Force, we have to make sure that we don't have any standing water and the water keeps flowing from one pond to the next pond to the next pond. And so dealing with stormwater in Coal Lake is, is a bit of an art. And eventually it all goes to the Beaver River. Uh, very little of it actually flows to Coal Lake, which is, uh, there is a couple outlets on Coal Lake. But uh, other than that, pretty much even in Coal Lake North, uh, the water flows, uh, most of Coal Lake North flows to the south. But, uh, you know, pretty overall, pretty happy. Uh, I think people are, once we announce this, um, have to sort of take a step back. This is probably going to be one of the lowest tax increases for a municipality in Alberta that doesn't have uh, huge industrial revenue coming in from oil and from infrastructure, like uh, the pipelines and, and the M&E from um, industrial, uh, uh, you know, establishments. Uh, we don't have that benefit here inside our city of Coal Lake. And so... Um, yeah, they all sit out in the MD, right? Yeah, out in the counties have all of that. But even in the counties, they're going to, there's most of them are announcing um, a big lift. And, and I think the province has to sort of step up to the plate uh, and start sharing the benefit of this massive surplus they have is they got to start investing in the, in the municipalities. And whether it's bridges for the counties or uh, helping the urban survive, because um, I think we're on a... This is just Craig on a rant, is I think there's a ticking time bomb um, going on here. Uh, I've been saying it for a long time, but I, I, if the province doesn't start to step in and help, and the federal government starts to helping municipalities, especially urbans, I, I, you know, there's only one taxpayer, and, and the residents are going to, and the, and the commercial guys in downtown are going to be feeling these big tax increases, and I, I think the province is going to have to start sharing the wealth uh, and I, I hope uh, this government here uh, takes note uh, that they've got a, remember we talked about the library, the libraries haven't seen any funding, FCSS. So all of these provincial uh, programs that they're involved in, 
Uh, I think they get us. You were asked recently by, uh, I think, the Ministry for FCSS Child Services and uh, um, Family and Child Services Ministry, uh, whether the municipality or the city of Cold Lake would be able to, if they increased funding, even come up with our share of, because it's kind of that 80-20 split. We already over fund that program beyond the 80-20. So, um, of course, we would be able to, we'd be able to go further with that, right? Yeah, and, and sort of sort of a segue into uh, our famous Highway 28. We've been uh, all of the uh, mayors, Reeves, uh, Indigenous leaders for Northeast Alberta. We have a small group that uh, gets together uh, every quarter, and uh, you know we wrote a letter to the premier and to the transportation minister talking about Highway 28, and and it's just it completely uh, been left off the radar screen. There is some cosmetic work getting done. But uh, so we wrote to that, uh, asking for um, that to be reviewed. Um, and we got back once again, a, a very uh, courtesy uh, letter that was written. Some of it was uh, written in the same kind of language as before, but um, you know, it's, this is, this highway is a complete joke for this province. And uh, the late Jim Prentice said that uh, it's the worst highway in the province, hands down. Absolutely. And now how many premiers later moving forward, it doesn't even get really on the radar utilizing those types of descriptors of highway 28. Yeah. Um, but yet, uh, there's announcements, uh, on the West side of the high, uh, West side of the province. Well, you know, like just recently, uh, just after the, the premier was uh, elected to the party, you know, highway three, uh, magically, uh, gets twin. And we knew that highway, highway three was, uh, was, has been another contentious highway. And so from uh, Crozenas Pass to, uh, to, uh, you know, east of uh, Alberta there, um, you know, that highway gets a lot of traffic. We're not denying that, but this new highway that's being promoted now from uh, Grand Prairie to Fort McMurray, it's just mind boggling that, uh, the province would dive in to doing over 200 uh, kilometers of new, of a new road. Uh, and you leave, uh, the goat path, the Coal Lake, uh, from Edmonton. And don't even come in and, and make some major, major improvements on that highway. And, uh, you know, the mayor, Lloyd Minster, always talks about uh, Highway 16 and how it's starting to fall apart in certain areas. And and he's absolutely right. And so uh, you can't ask Northeastern Alberta, Alberta to carry the load on the heavy mod lifts that are going to in the industrial heartland. Because uh, they come up Highway 36 from some of the yards and they go up to the far north and not deal with Highway 28. And uh, and I'm sure hoping that this province is going to step in and, and revisit uh, Highway 28. So how much provincial revenue comes from Northeast and then how much comes back? Well, I, What's we, the net? We, we, we've been saying that for years, that there's a net is a very minimal, whether it's health, whether it's education, uh, whether it's highways, that uh, we keep feeding the monster and the monster just keeps pouring it into Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer. I mean, look at all, all you got to do is drive Highway 2 uh, Edmonton to Calgary, and you see all the beautiful interchanges, whether it's at Leduc and Airdrie and all these things that are popping up Red Deer, and you go, thank you very much. It it has allowed people to move in Alberta better, um, but a lot of the revenues for those come from Northeast. Absolutely, Alberta. and it, you know it's you know it's time that uh, we step it up. Uh, one of our biggest uh, mis- um, issues, of course, up in Northeast Alberta, is that from Lloydminster to Vegreville, up, up to uh, Fort Mac, uh, uh, or Lacquabish, at least in a minimum, and come across to Coal Lake. Uh, none of our MLAs have really, other than uh, Brian Jean just getting appointed, 
nobody's really been at the cabinet table for so many years. And so we just keep getting uh, shutted out. And it's not, it doesn't matter if it's the UCP government, the Conservative government, the NDP government. Um, you just do, I, I dare anybody to look at the past 20 years from a capital spend. And uh, we've always said that the waterline to Bonneville was the only time that the province really invested in our area, other than the lobbying that we did in 2007 for the little part of Coal Lake uh, Highway, highway 28, highway 28 yeah. uh, the $28 million they gave for the twinning of inside the city of Coal Lake. And so, which it had a had an actual commitment letter from the from the uh, the government of Alberta yeah, exactly. to do that upon Anna, when we uh, the the municipality amalgamated it was already a commitment and ten years later it still hasn't been funded yeah, yeah but it you know they did come through on that after almost a decade so we'll wait and see we'll see what happens in the uh, the upcoming budget uh, that the province will release in in the new year and we'll see if we fit in there the uh, you know let's talk about one of the uh, things that uh, um, whether or not people. People should always be careful what they read on social media and, and some of the the little um, threads that go around in Colake. I hear that I'm uh, I'm I'm getting money from somebody. I, I like that one where I'm getting bought off. Somebody keeps posting that on some of the things and and so uh, um, yeah. Anyways, uh, the, the the animal intake center. So uh, yeah, that was a big uh, capital building that uh, we we it finally got uh, completed and uh, it looks amazing. Uh, and it's it's very close to the old location uh, over there, and um, so the idea is that uh, if Fluffy is running around loose, uh, whether it's a cat or a dog or whatever, maybe you got a pet monkey running around Coal Lake. Is the idea is that uh, uh, the animal, whether it's picked up by bylaw officers or by a citizen, uh, the animal would come over to the uh, the, the intake center, and the, the city um, will take care of the animal and uh, try it, of course. Uh, uh, find its rightful owner. Uh, another a good thing that we're doing is trying to uh, have a free, we're having free pet licenses this year again. And that's so that when the animal is, is uh, found, is that we can easily uh, identify the owner uh, on some kind of collar thing and, and, and phone up the owner. But the animal will take, uh, will stay at the, at the uh, intake center and then eventually hand it over to the Humane Society. The uh, community peace officers now are, and bylaw officers are all going to be um, equipped with a scan so that way they can uh, do the chip and see which house that the, uh, the pet is, uh, there. So many of them should be able to be resolved fairly quickly. Um, however, with the, uh, at the animal intake center itself. Now this has been in construction for probably almost two years. There was some delays in construction due to supply chain issues and, um, waiting for parts from, and, and kennels and stuff like that. But, uh, um, they are anticipating to be open right after the new year. I think January 5th or something like that is on the uh, social media. Um, but, uh, to be able to, it's a soft opening. Um, and, uh, with the, the bylaws that have been established by the city, there's a certain amount of time that is there for the animals and then, uh, liaise with various, uh, humane societies and SBCAs and, you know, in, in order to turn those animals over for adoption, if they're not being collected or something like that, because there's going to be circumstances where, um, the owners are not found or maybe, or they're abandoned sometimes. Right. So, um, in order to find them a permanent home. Yeah, so the idea is that the um, the city eventually will turn the animal over to the, the local humane society, and so I encourage anybody to uh, give to the humane society if uh, and and help them uh, able to care for the animals. And we know that the humane society doesn't uh, put down an animal animal, and and the city doesn't want to do that either. So the idea is to uh, 
uh, take care of the animal for a few days in the beginning. And that's, then that's not necessarily right too. Sometimes the humane society does have to uh, put down some animals because sometimes there's, uh, issues with, uh, you know, in terms of the animal's health or okay, something like yeah, that, if they're, in, if they're injured or, uh, and the only humane way is actually to put down, because there is situations that are like that and you're working with the, uh, the local, uh, um, veterinarians and whatnot. So there are circumstances that that does happen. Um, but that's not the intent here uh, or in terms of, uh, the uh, operations of the animal intake center. Um, when we first built that, actually the uh, vision was, uh, there was, uh, working with the uh, locally, uh, Lakeland, uh, humane society, um, there, we had a, an architect that the city of Cold Lake hired work with the, uh, Lakeland humane society on a new building within the uh, city of Cold Lake. However, the proposal that was put forward was, was substantial in terms of size and anybody going over to the animal intake center, as you see it today, it's, that's about one third of the proposal that was being brought forth. And the city of Cold Lake just simply could not afford that type of facility. And, uh, um, so we kind of locked off the design just for the intake component and, uh, and move on that piece because we were able to finance that, move that part of the project forward so we can at least have the intake center. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big building as it stands right now. I think it's going to have plenty of space for the animals. And, you know, the objective here is to get the animal back to the, to the owner, find the owner. And then if someone doesn't want their animal anymore, we're not encouraging them to drop it off at the uh, City Coal Lakes intake centers. No. Drop it off at the Lakeland Humane Society. That's what the... You know, that's what they're there for. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think, uh, if anybody wants to come visit the center, it'll be open, like you said, in, in January and you can look around and see what, uh, the building has to offer. And, you know, it's a, it's a, we get a lot of, uh, complaints, um, and bylaw officers, this is one of the roles that they have to perform is to go around and collect the animal and, uh, and it can be a dangerous job, uh. Uh, collecting a, an you animal that doesn't to, want every to... once in a while deal with uh, animal bites. Uh, yeah. In fact, actually, that's part of why the city does not do any. Uh, remember, it used to be um, utility reads were all done manually, and you know how many uh, uh, animal attacks that we had to deal with. Uh, our workman's compensation premiums were pretty skyrocketing because of the uh, amount of attacks that are there, but um, and the safety of the staff. So uh, those all have gone to wireless. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's not a it's it's not a job that uh, sometimes uh, it does come with risks. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Uh, so come uh, open in January, you're saying, and so people can come by and have a look at the building. And pretty impressive. A uh, local contractor built it, and so uh, it, it's pretty cool inside. In fact, I was thinking about maybe moving my office over there and uh, and just work out of there. But yeah, the, yeah, you know, there's a great opportunity there. Either that or on top of the water treatment plant. Yeah, well, the water treatment plant. Yeah, that's a beautiful building. But Anyways, Kevin, I think we got pretty much all of our list there. Uh, we did pretty good. Um, and, uh. Oh, no, in oh. your budget, we've, you know, you know, we were going to talk about, uh, uh, recently, of course, uh, unfortunately, um, when the city, uh, municipalities used to, uh, many, um, taking on debt financing, oh. um, did it through the Alberta Capital Finance Authority. Now the province kind of dissolved that authority and is, is kind of put it into the government network. And then, uh, unfortunately the, uh, the government also kind of, they used to provide discounts for municipality because the province had great AAA rating and whatnot, but, uh, that kind of, some of that discount has been taken away. So is the kind of the private financial institutions have become more competitive because the numbers of, for the, uh, 
interest rates. No, no, this is separate from the conversation of interest rates are rising because of the Bank of Canada announcements and stuff like that. We used to get uh, competitive below kind of those numbers um, in order for, for municipal financing. And that has since gone away and now now we're treated essentially uh, differently in that aspect. So um, going to the private sector for uh, financing is now uh, opened up as a, as, tr- as opportunity for municipalities, as long as we follow the Municipal Government Act in terms of the requirements for debt financing. But uh, your worship, you recently, as you saw that uh, with that new change, uh, um, we can uh, sell or bu- uh, sell our debt financing to the private sector for somebody to pick it up on the open market. So um, recently you uh, were working uh, the, the best rate was recently with CIBC, but uh, you did, uh, um, we work with all the financial institutions locally, um, for the best rates, um, that you were on a phone call yeah. in order to, uh, the, to buy the, uh, buy financing. Yeah, it was pretty cool actually. So there's, uh, I think, uh, people are watching the market live and, um, they strategically, they <clears throat> made a decision before the interest rates went up uh, here uh, yesterday. Uh, and so we were buying probably about. 12 hours before the interest rates were announced to go up. And so good, you know, good on the city staff and, and, the, and the bank to, uh, to make a decision like that. We probably saved quite a bit of money, uh, but I got to basically uh, commit. Yeah, we're, we'll buy that, uh, that uh, debt off you and uh, borrow the money, sorry. And uh, it was pretty cool being there and, and watching um, a commitment. As the number goes up and down and then yeah. they pull it off the line yeah, and tell say, you what are the you interest good to go? Yeah. Are and what the stamp rate yeah. is and uh, all yeah. of this stuff. And it was, uh, I hadn't heard those kind of numbers in a long time from a financial planning course, maybe back in the eighties, but, uh, it was pretty cool. And it's, uh, you know, it's a big, sh- it, it speaks though that city colleague has, um, we have staff that, um, watch the markets. Um, we have accountants that, uh, pay attention and it's no secret. Uh, the city colleague cannot survive without debt. Uh, we just don't have the the money coming in, uh, and so we have to borrow uh, for debt uh, to execute projects. And in this case, this is for the big public workshop. Uh, we had to, we have to borrow money, and so we're pretty committed to our our staff to finally uh, build a decent public workshop building. So we went to the markets so that we can now have uh, the money to complete the project. It's cash flowed over three years that project. So. The final, I think, uh, injection of cash would be 2024 before the project is actually uh, finished. But uh, exactly uh, in terms of taking kind of an annual allotment, uh, um, the city of Colday carries debt, and it's if we're and it's uh, it typically finances generation infrastructure, right? We're talking major facilities, so that way the taxpayers of today don't face the full brunt of that entire cost. And taxpayers of tomorrow for the next three generations don't have to pay for it, only to be picked up again by the kind of that fourth generation. So generation projects that council kind of deem that way um, typically do get financed. And, and that's very common for uh, urban municipalities um, in order to do that and finance these big projects. Let's just, before we go off the air here, let's talk about uh, Lakeshore Drive because we've had people asking about that. Another so big to, project. Yeah, that's an exciting project. Uh, where does that project uh, right now? Because you guys had to bring it back to review. Well, yeah, the, the, when we tendered it uh, this uh, this summer, of course, uh, procurement was an issue. You're talking supply chain issues. And that number came in like four times the amount that uh, was even right before uh, from an engineer's estimate and even estimates that were provided by contractors on the cost of that project. It just, so there was a lot of fear 
on a uh, two-year project, because it will take a couple of years to do just one phase of that project, carrying those costs for a couple of years and not knowing what the market was going to do and, uh, uh, and the economic environment in, uh, in North America and in the world for that matter. Um, so therefore the city of Cold Lake uh, said, let's just, you know, take a step back um, and look at a different procurement process to manage the risks a little bit better for the contractors. And, uh, so basically what we're doing is, uh, kind of retooling the, uh, design so that we can separate portions of the contract for different disciplines so that, um, for example, the new proposed, uh, wall can be done by one contractor and then the utilities can be done by another contractor because we do have local, uh, contractors that can do utilities and are very competitive in that market. Right. So, uh, we thought we'll go a little bit further with the design, um, in that aspect to help reduce the risks of the contractors to get better rates and that. And I think, you know, it's going to, uh, it's going to have some returns on that one, but the prices are, you know, overall construction prices, uh, as we know is, is off the charts all over the place. We're not talking just in terms of utilities. It's, it's the supply chain in whole is, is having those impacts. So we're trying to manage that for the taxpayer so we can uh, extend the money as far as we can in the project. Well, let's end this so one we'll, no, Actually, I just want to say, we should be tendering that probably right, you know, right after the new year okay. and getting our prices and our intent is to be uh, in the ground and the shovels by, uh, in the spring. Well, maybe in the new year we'll be ice fishing too. But um, on a positive note, so we'll end this uh, podcast on a positive note, the city saw 4% lift in its population. Oh, in the census. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, a lot of communities, uh, th- out this way saw decreases, decreases. So, yeah. you know, encouraging that Coal Lake still is a, is a big, uh, area for people to come. We're seeing uh, some investment. Um, you know, we, we've always found that investment will come to Coal Lake. You don't necessarily need to chase it. And, uh, so we've had some exciting growth over at the Tri-City Mall. Uh, where the the developer there uh, put on uh, with their own money uh, did, did a small uh, another addition there and of course Wendy's is now uh, going to be opening up uh, that's pretty exciting was they're looking for staff worst yeah. kept secret in Coal Lake yeah. with Wendy's but uh, we weren't allowed to say anything but yet yeah, everybody knows what it is right but yeah you know the company behind the the mall there they deserve a lot of credit uh, you know this is this is big risk to be putting in millions of dollars into a big investment but. Uh, you know, there is some bigger proposals in regards, you know, over by the, uh, Lake City Motors area in behind there. I think there's some signs that are Dollarama or something that is up there. Um, we know that we've been in discussions with a lot of vendors that are looking there. Um, there is, you know, uh, it's a positive note that there's growth, but there's also challenges with regard to the economy because, you know, we are a, uh, you know, in Northeastern Alberta, there has been comments by the federal government in regards to the future of oil and gas. And that sometimes puts fears that are there, but it's great to see that there's investment that continues despite that. And I think the community continues with a strong growth in that aspect. Yeah. We'll probably in the new year, talk more about the, uh, the area for investment and all that, uh, just from a vision of what we're seeing, but a big shout out to the other, uh, you know, we've had a couple of businesses open up, uh, certainly, uh, on the, uh, on the recreation side, uh, fishing and hunting and archery. On Main um, Street um, there. Another building yeah. there. Um, it just showed, you know, we have a lot of people. Uh, especially you hear it from the people that uh, are working on four wing. They love Coal Lake area because of all of the recreational activities that they can participate. So a new business opened up there. Uh, there's probably a couple others, uh, um, you know, there that uh, these teas, people making these fancy teas, you know, we've got a couple of, uh, that have popped up on that, uh, you know, and provide the, the drinks and, you know, a couple of Filipino uh, have uh, people in our community have opened up their own business. And of course, Chop Leap, 
Leaf uh, um, opened, opened up. up here, and I, we heard the numbers are great. And so, uh, sounds like they the word is is they did record numbers. Now, yeah. You know, residents don't realize this. Anytime that we open up a, a restaurant of, of, uh, in that aspect, it's always off the charts in numbers in terms of community support. So this is it goes back to Edo, it goes back to kind of Taco Domino's. Times, it, Domino. It's all of this, right? They, uh, Burger King, remember? It's all right. It's off the charts. Yeah, it's really it's a hidden secret about all of the people that come to Cold Lake to shop. And, uh, but also the young population we have, uh, maybe I don't know about our eating habits, but, uh, we, we do like oh, to, uh, talk about yeah, yeah, we do like to, uh, get out. And, uh, so we saw that Cold Lake Brewery opened up uh, a while ago and, and they've done well. And so it, it's encouraging. I mean, the new owners of Bean Trees, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, the community does get out and support and, uh, so, you know, kudos to all the, all the people that are taking the risk right now in, in this economy to open up businesses. That's, uh, that's gutsy, but, uh, we just, uh, end up, ended up on a positive note. Just want to wish, uh, everybody, uh, on behalf of everybody in council and city of Coal Lake, uh, staff, uh, everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and relax and have fun and, and enjoy yourselves. Yeah. And, uh, and a shout out to, uh, Mr. Larry Hargrove that is, uh, retiring that he's been in with this, uh, organization for, for 20 plus years. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, final days and, uh, you know, best wishes to him and his family. Uh, he's, he served the community and the taxpayers and the people of this, uh, of the community for a very long time and recreation, waste management, uh, um, he's been out there everywhere. So, yeah. No, it's good. And Larry's a, Larry's a, a gem. I uh, always get a kick out of him driving the fire or the garbage truck with a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, flag. So he's a, he's a diehard. <laughs> right. Anyways, we could go on forever. We can we could just sit here and talk all day. So we better shut it down. Right on. Right. <laughs> yeah.